1: Welcome to an extremely special episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience. Um, I'm Brian McCullough, as always, and um, my co-host, as always, Chris Messina, is here.
2: Chris. Howdy, howdy. Glad to be here. I'm very excited to be part of this World Cup of Entrepreneurs. That's right. This is
1: something we've never done before. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The whole process thus far has been a lot of fun. Um, but we are going to figure out who the Ne plus ultra entrepreneur of, say, the last 30 years is. And to help us do that, um, we have the boys from the Acquired podcast. Um, and I'll let them introduce themselves individually. Like, Ben, you go first.
3: Brian, thanks for having us. Feels like we've got the uh, the super group of podcasters hmm. here. So excited <laughs> to uh, to be a part of it. Hey, everyone, I'm Ben Gilbert. I am the co-founder of Pioneer Square Labs, a startup studio and venture fund in Seattle, and the uh, less dulcet tone half of the Acquired podcast, <laughs> oh. co-hosted by uh, my co-host David. First in our hearts. First in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> David, over David, to you.
0: <laughs> I'm David Rosenthal. Uh, I am the... Uh, more dulcet half of the acquired podcast i guess (laughs) (laughs) thank you ben i'll I'll use that from now on uh i'm an angel investor based in san francisco and uh yeah thank you thank you guys for having us on here this is going to be so much fun anybody who listens to acquired knows that uh we do like insane amounts of preparation and like everything is scripted to the like t and like uh not like word for word scripted but um uh we love doing stuff like this where we get to just like pontificate without doing research so thank you
1: (laughs) well and let me say that um ben and i were talking i think it was five years ago we did an episode together early on in both of our podcasting careers um and i i want to specifically mention this because i listened recently to your two-part history of andreessen horowitz um where you were kind enough to mention some of my early research when i from the internet history podcast and i do have one bone to pick with you too Oh,
0: go for it. Comes. Here's the problem. You guys figured out we're getting the arguing out of the way now so that we can (laughs) all agree on the picks later. (laughs) You guys
1: came up with the, with the concept or the term that Al Gore was Mark Andreessen's VC and that's like the most perfect way to put it. So I'm pissed at you guys. Cause I did a whole episode about like, did Al Gore really invent the internet and things like that. But yes, like, I remember that one putting, putting that in those terms was cute enough that I wish it was in my book. I wish I had thought of it myself. So uh, screw you guys. Second edition. <laughs> Second edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Oh, thank you, Brad. Yes. Yes. I listen. the, the acquired podcast is not an acquired taste. It is an essential listen. Um, and, uh, I couldn't recommend it more highly. Uh, Okay, so a lot of people, most people would be regular listeners to the show. So you would know that over the last two weeks, we have been doing a World Cup of Entrepreneurs sort of brackets voting thing on Twitter. Um, 16 entered, only one came out of the Thunderdome. Um, And essentially what we're going to do is go through each of the matchups and we're going to talk about the person that lost um, in that matchup. And then that will allow us to eventually get through everyone until we get to the one that was left standing.
3: Um, By the, the way, Brian, when you first explained that to me, I was like, it didn't quite make sense. And then I realized, oh, because in like the NCAA tournament of 64, there's 63 losers. So if you mm-hmm. just talk about the losers <laughs> enough, you eventually cover all but the winner. All of them.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and the only winner that, well, right, that we'll talk about when they win, the, 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 the person that we talk about last will be the winner. Right. So to, that's a way to queue up that, um, we're going to have right. to talk Everybody's about,
0: gotta, gotta listen to the, yeah, end. They gotta wait. I like this. Right, yeah. right, <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. So, right. <laughs> we have our first matchup and we're going to talk about the loser of that first matchup. The first matchup was, and by the way, this was voted on by uh, listeners on Twitter, randos on Twitter, people on Twitter. Um, the matchup was Evan Spiegel, of snap snapchat whatever you want to call it versus reed hastings of netflix um reed won this eighty-four and a half percent to evan's 15 and percent and so uh, again what we're going to do is talk about evan first and here's how i'd like to kick it off um i kind of feel like this should have been closer we can argue about why it wasn't closer um here's here's my bull case for evan spiegel as a great entrepreneur um how many people have created product what, what, what would be the term chris what what would you call like stories or, or even before that like you know ephemeral messaging and things like that
2: it's a it's a new medium right that's sort right. of takes advantage of an emerging technology as that technology is still being deciphered or used yeah. he's like the, the chief product, product officer for the internet yeah, right. right. Well, for Facebook, certainly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he's, it's it's almost better than Jack Dorsey, right? Like, you know, he doesn't even get to be CEO of both companies. Now,
1: do we know, I mean, I guess, does anyone know the story behind that? Like, it's not necessarily that Evan is the one that came up with stories or ephemeral mess. I mean, obviously, you know, early on e- ephemeral messaging as the... the as, I think what, as what,
2: what Evan probably gets credit for is opening to the camera by default. And so... Mm every other, and and part of this had to do with, I think the iPhone getting to a place where it was stable enough, where, you know, the camera wouldn't crash and stuff like that. And it was performant. And so that was just unorthodox because you kind of had to like first start with content and then it would load a feed typically, whether that was Instagram or it was Facebook or Twitter. And then, and also remember the, the assumption was that People were more consumers. You know, the, the 90, 10, one rule of social media is that 90% of people are just there to consume, and you know, 1% of the people are actually content creators. This changed that whole dynamic by turning the camera into a communication device. And assuming that a new and younger generation would find it easier to communicate visually through the camera as opposed to sending text messages or anything else. So that was, you know, I don't think it's enough to say stories was the innovation. It was really thinking differently about communication from a generational perspective.
0: Oh man, that's such a good point. Like, uh, (laughs) before Snapchat yeah, like it really was, you know, I think now about like the percentage, actually, well, I don't know what the percentage of, uh, producers versus just consumers is mm-hmm. on like Twitter or Instagram or the like. But like mm-hmm. no question in my mind that it is vastly higher than it was pre-Snapchat and it is all thanks to Snapchat. Taken that yeah,
2: uh, yeah kind of evolved, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and also I think like there was like a preciousness about photos before, where if you took a photo, especially if you were coming out of like the Kodak era where you actually used film, then every image that you took Needed to be something that was like good and worthy, and everything that you shared on Instagram was curated, and so this, like the ephemerality, was a kind of response to the abundance of communicating through visual images. So it it really didn't make sense to hold on to everything anymore. Whereas before, it was, you know, sacred to have these uh, digital artifacts. What I think Evan realized was, you know, we don't save all of our phone calls. So why would you save all of your, you know, photos that are being shared?
1: Ben, let me, let me ask you this on a straight um, entrepreneur sort of uh, level. He, Evan's also famous for not selling to Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) Um, and like, let's think of that from the pure entrepreneur standpoint of turning down billions of dollars, being the, being able to say no and being like, I'm going to build a social media company that will that will thrive. It has been thriving, and has as an entrepreneur, we remember when 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 Snap stock recently was under was in single digits and things like that. To have those diamond hands, to use common parlance now, <laughs> to yes. believe in your vision, like that's a rare thing.
3: Yeah, and the grand irony of it all is that maybe the only person who has performed that same exact act of saying no, I'm going to go build a social media company of my own that's gonna be worth billions multiple billions maybe even trillions and I'm gonna turn down your billion dollar offer was Mark Zuckerberg just a decade before <laughs> mm-hmm, and you know that the famous of course crying in the bathroom uh, after turning down the billion dollar offer by Ya in the bathroom uh, I can't, I'm, I'm sure that the, there may have been many other things. There are lots of bodily but, <laughs> lots of <fluid> involved. <laughs> no, but Brian, but, you, you raise a great point. And, and even very recently, like I just looked it up, uh, Snap is a $116 billion market cap company. People had counted them down and out, uh, obviously, so many times. times, but think about when Instagram launched Stories, and there was sort of that, that admission right. to Chris's point that geez, Instagram is a museum and Snap is a bar, and the bar is way more mm-hmm. fun to hang out than the museum. And of course, it's it's we're losing a lot of users to it. And of course, they clone snor- Stories, and what that did in the three six months after cloning Stories was Snap had penetrated the US in a big way. And Instagram launching this basically cut off the need for people to ever download Snap internationally because they could get the same functionality out of Instagram where they already had that multi-billion dollar uh, install base. And so it is really amazing that despite that just gnarly move by Facebook and Instagram to, to cut off that growth opportunity, they're still a $100 billion plus company now and have overcome it.
1: Let me, um, let me play the pundit here a little bit, um, like a sports pundit and say that, you know, if, uh, uh, I think that this is a, the result is a bit unfair to Evan. Like I would, if, if I were the one, you know, voting, I would say that he probably should have advanced further in the tournament uh, for, for all the reasons just said, but then also for that last bit too, about how, you know, it's not just that he has a company that, 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 um, Reaches scale, then goes public, but then also has troubles, and then can can theoretically fix those troubles and 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 continue to thrive and things like that. Um, the I'm going to move
0: on to play. Can I, one quick thing before yes, I move on. Yes, go ahead, David. Am I allowed? Yes, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, met a meta point that I think we talk about this. We've been talking about this a lot on Acquired recently, but uh, Evan and Snap is such a great example to me of like why startups are important. You know like it would be such a sad world if only facebook could only yes. be the only ones innovating in social because none of this ever would have happened well and and, like, and because, it's better you for know, everybody
1: <laughs> facebook would had evan not had diamond hands uh own instagram and snap you know so like it's almost like and that was before stories right so like right no, yeah no
0: stories, if that happened.
1: So it's almost like uh, Gandalf style. Evan was the one that stood there in the breach and said, you "No, know, this era is not going to evolve the way that you think it will, You <laughs> yeah. Balrog." You, um, the <laughs> David liked that one. Uh, the all right, I am moving on to try to to try to produce this as best I can, so we're not here for five hours. Um, the The next matchup was. Um, Jack Ma versus Jeff Bezos. Um, and I kind of randomized the matchups, but then if I saw a theme that worked, I, I wanted to do the theme. Um, Jeff Bezos won 74% to 26%. Um, but I, I wanted to match them up because in a way, the cheap thing to say about Jack Ma is that he took the Bezos playbook and took it to China. Um, no. Not just the Bezos playbook, but the the silicon valley startup playbook um thoughts on that as a theme for matching up
3: i think the easy and dare i say lazy take is you're comparing amazon to china's amazon and i think the 74% voting for jeff bezos and the 26% voting for jack ma is frankly representative of who follows you on twitter the sample
2: size yeah, yeah. and, and the sample I, source
3: i mean we could th- th- look i i think jeff bezos should win this like look at market cap alone i, I think well it's this is like, like
0: getting seated against you know like duke in the in the tournament like you know you, yeah, jack, it's, jack it's an unfortunate a rough draw here <laughs>
3: but but i think it's worth acknowledging what a different company alibaba is uh than, than amazon i mean in in a the biggest one is their b2b business i mean alibaba Moves a tremendous amount of merchandise through a B two B e commerce experience, a, of which doesn't really exist in the U S yet. Like Amazon Business is a thing, and you you can order fr- order from it as a business. But like the B two B commerce market is much larger than the B two C commerce market, and Amazon has not been successful at shifting e commerce online for B two B in the U S
0: yeah alibaba has a sales force (laughs) for their core marketplace like uh, amazon doesn't have a sales force for their marketplace
1: and i mean look uh in theory the you know jeff bezos also was early in a market but you know jeff bezos is early in a market in uh the west in the us or whatever consider the also complicating factor of jack mob bringing entrepreneurialism and you know uh the Silicon Valley style entrepreneurialism to China in the late nineties and early two thousands, like that is breaking ground. That is, you know, apocalypse essentially.
2: Like one thing that's, that's missing from this a little bit though. And and this is more my ignorance, I think uh, more than anything, is I don't know what sort of business practices or concepts jack ma sort of brought to the world that then were socialized and popularized elsewhere and one that i'm thinking of particular and this isn't meant to sort of be you know singing bezos's praise but the way in which like bezos sort of required product direction to be done through written testimony effectively to sort of write the whatever the three-page document have people read it in silence and then to socialize that i don't i, I mean i'm sure jack ma had very similarly powerful and important tactics. But I wonder to what degree those tactics were actually adopted by other companies in China versus uh, the way in which Amazon uh, and its uh, aggressiveness and some of its techniques were socialized within the American business.
1: Have have you guys done Alibaba unacquired? Pardon my ignorance on that. Yes.
0: It was a few years ago though.
3: Uh, I think we may get called out for this for people that know better, but I think it's fair to credit Jack Ma with popularizing the nine nine six. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I was that, gonna say that. Yep. yeah, the, the the notion that like Chinese companies move much faster than their American counterparts. I was going to say, because... you should, you should
2: unpack that a little bit, like for the listeners, because yeah. I know that it's something at TikTok um, that is current today. So maybe that is a, an example of that cultural phenomenon uh, that was, that was socialized. So, so what, what, what is that?
3: Working 99 hours per uh, week.
2: No, no, uh, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Oh, you're right. Six days a week.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah nine to nine, six days a week. Which I don't. Maybe that is around. 99 it might be hours. about
2: ninety-nine hours. I don't know. Yeah,
3: but, <laughs> More but than 40, this, Like that's for just, sure. we will win because we will outwork our competition. And of course, uh, in such a competitive country where you have so many people, you have a the the very recent rise of uh, of the middle class. You have a special economic zones. So you know, capitalism in a in a very you know small and different way is very new to the country. Um, you know, you, you have a whole bunch of people pursuing an opportunity concurrently. And the reason that everyone's so focused on a single opportunity is a top-down mandate, the the, the country deciding, the party deciding that, hey, this is one of five categories. It's very important to us right now. And so when you have someone like Jack Ma that's sort of saying, Well, we're gonna win by working this absurd amount, and of course, this is a couple decades ago, uh, it then sort of raises the bar. And when you have so many people competing, they're all going to be at that bar and you end up with the sort of state of startups that you have in China these days.
1: Um, I'm going to move on real quick because I, you know, Jack is having issues. I, I just want to say that Jack, you mean like- vanishing issues? Yeah, yeah I was that's say. the problem. Um, <laughs> Jack was the first sort of face of like you know Silicon Valley style tech startup entrepreneurship in China, and he also might be the first one out to pasture. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, moving on to matchup number three because that is our first upset. Now, if you're looking at the email that I sent you, I got the numbers wrong. Um, the matchup is Mark Zuckerberg versus Jack Dorsey, and Mark Zuckerberg loses. Um, Jack oh. Dorsey got seventy one point one percent of the vote. Mark Zuckerberg well, only got. did 20. this on Twitter, so <laughs> okay, understood.
3: You saying I... Jack logged in and tipped the
1: scale? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, but look to bring you know David mentioned seeds. Like if if I had thought of this as a seeded tournament, for sure Mark Zuckerberg would have been one of the seeds, right? Um, I am genuinely surprised uh, that. Dorsey beat Zuck.
2: And if you I hosted think- this on Facebook for the poll, I wonder if anybody would have actually participated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Maybe 45 45 only. Only I'll, I'll tell you what, let's address, let's address the upset first, and then we can give Zuck his due as a, yep, as an yep. entrepreneur at the end. Could it just come down to people don't like Zuck? Uh,
3: yes. Likely.
0: Yes.
3: I think if, I think if you had run this poll in, uh nineteen ninety four uh, and you had Bill Gates in there, like Bill Gates would have gotten mm. unseated in the first round too mm. Mm.
1: well now, having said that uh Jack Dorsey is not exactly known there are people that don't think Jack Dorsey is a great business leader uh decision maker um so in a way I, I don't remember if I consciously Put these two. I think I put these two against each other because, like, Twitter represented the first sort of threat to the social media model that Zuckerberg had uh, had created. But at the same time, and and you can argue that Jack, of course, has created two companies. Um, so I guess maybe if I'm if I'm going to play devil's advocate, the argument against Zuck as a great entrepreneur would be that he had one good idea.
2: Now you can argue uh, that's not even true that's not true
1: okay chris take it
2: he didn't have any ideas they were all <laughs> other people's ideas oh he had Wirehog. That was a good... <laughs> <laughs> that was i'm pretty sure idea. that was built on napster or yeah, like right. <laughs> i mean honestly like to give zuck his due he's probably the best at stealing ideas and surfing behavior and seeing what's happening next i mean he is you know it, it, Like I hope he and his heirs never hear this, but like he's probably like the least inventive person ever, and yet the sort of smarmiest of them all by monetizing, capitalizing, and building on them. Like he is truly Bill Gates the second coming. He is like Caesar's heir. uh, You know, given that he wants to build an empire.
3: This is the World Cup of entrepreneurs. This is the (laughs) World Cup of like nice guys. I mean, what's the goal? I'm
2: just, I'm, look, people voted on this. I'm not saying the people who are right or wrong. I mean, you know, Zuckerberg is the guy that would shank you, you know, if he got the chance and then, you know, claim that it was the, the Snapchat guy. Yeah, but so,
1: I, I'm with Ben there. Like, that's what an entrepreneur should do. He should be willing to shank.
0: Um, well, the, the consequence of that is people aren't going to like you. And so you're, you're yeah. going to lose Twitter popularity contest. Yeah, so there <laughs> you go. I, I think he's so having the care. last laugh here.
1: Uh, I, okay. Yeah, I think so. Let me, let me, let me, I guess, is this playing devil's advocate for Zuck? Um, there's that famous <laughs> story where um, when Zuckerberg turns down the Yahoo offer or the one of one of the many billion dollar offers, he says the reason that he's going to turn it down is because if he if he did take the money, he would just take it and start another social network and he already likes the one he has. Right. OK. This is probably not going to help his case, but there are certain entrepreneurs that can see um, clearly one vision and can execute it on it perfectly whether it be you your are rockefeller and you see that oil is going to power the the 20th century um Ooh,
0: next acquired episode
1: foreshadowing <laughs> okay there you go like so it's like th- there are there are several cases like who uh who's the guy in new york real estate that just realized that manhattan is an island so you buy real estate it's eventually going to go all the way to the top um it's, it's like having that vision and executing on it and not
0: wavering from it, that is kind of the sign of a brilliant entrepreneur. Or oh, uh, Yes. And I would even add on to that, uh, a similar sign of a brilliant entrepreneur is being willing to do something that you see as the future when nobody else does around you. And that is the story of Zuck. Like the whole time you know uh not so, dropping out of harvard that was like wow that's crazy who does that you know not selling to yahoo that's crazy going public at a hundred billion dollar valuation crazy and everything happening now like hey,
1: david let me let me point out that again this comes right after the dot-com bubbles bursting there is not a precedent for people again to use the term diamond hands for being that brave Yep. You should take the billion dollars and run. People did, you know, like the fact that that um, that uh, Amazon was until recently still controlled by its founder. Think of every other company that was founded in the 90s. That is not true necessarily. <laughs> so yep. um, like the fact that he was the first. He, I would say that Mark Zuckerberg is the model for the modern concept
3: of an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. I mean the social network inspired
3: so many people. It was the liar's poker of like our generation. Dude, for like five years when I would write code, I would do it to the social network soundtrack after <laughs> totally. that movie came out. Uh, yes.
1: <laughs> Chris, I mean, you were shaking your worse. head
2: when, when when David said that. Yeah, way. I just you know, one of the reasons why I think the Twitterverse may not have been wrong is because I just can't think of Zuckerberg as an entrepreneur. <laughs> like he he's an empire builder. Like he and I what play is an entrepreneur then? no I, like an entrepreneur like it's it's french and basically it's you know <laughs> someone who you know makes bread and like you know from strange ingredients they have lying around like to me zuckerberg you know saw the map as black and wanted to paint it blue and uh, you know by moving his troops around and so to evaluate him from convention like what brian's saying Yeah. Like most of the time founders will leave after, you know, their 10, 15 year stint because they're bored or they're tired. They want to do something else. That has never been the case with Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg has always wanted to expand his empire. All roads lead back to Rome, the Facebook connect beacon, all of the things that he built Uh, into the platform were about expanding the influence as a dominant power. And I just can't evaluate him on the same, you know, kind of public company set of principles that i would other entrepreneurs
1: can I, I i'm gonna put a pin on this one unless someone has one more thing to say but i'm you know what chris i don't know if you and i have influenced each other on this but i've come <laughs> around to to psychoanalyzing zuck that way where i mm. believe the theory that he played civilization and he loves civilization and he knows that he can't be a modern day julius caesar he he knows now he can't run for president but he knows that also He is a
2: modern he is
1: he is doing it he's doing it
2: in the modern way and so you don't need an army anymore you just need people to log into your website you know there's that line that
0: he was a stiff nut uh growing up a stiff nut what Uh, he was a nut about civilization
1: right yeah yeah he was he said it he Uh, said it in interviews yes that's Um, awesome so my theory to psychoanalyze
2: him is and also he studied the classics right. the only like courses that he actually you know, like finished in college were about Not- like the roman emperor literature and latin and like right. all that stuff so my theory is maybe i'm typecasting too much but i just i can't let that no idea i'm with go. you this
1: is i've come to this conclusion is that you know because the, the 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 really lazy thing to say is well why you know If I were in his position, I've got all these billions of dollars. I, you know, date beautiful people. I'd buy yachts and stuff. Why does he still go to work every day? It's because there's that line in the movie Heat, where for me, the action is the juice. One of the robbers says that to somebody else. The action that is the juice for Zuck is people have to play in my game. People have to play in my world. Why does he care about if you have to do your banking via the cryptocurrency he creates? Because
2: that's the juice for him. Yeah. That's, that's the Jeff Dorsey G- hangs so you guys, out with like Jay Z on boats and stuff. You know? Yeah, like Zuck's, Zuck's like He does like little photo ops in Hawaii to like you make it look like he's like, you know, an American or something. Like, you know, it, it, he's like, I just have to do this. <laughs> the versus grilling uh, you
1: know? meats or something. Um, <laughs> right. uh, the, I, so, so your guys' argument to
0: sum it up is is uh that Zuck is Caesar but not, not Romulus and Remus. Yeah. There
3: you go. Right. <laughs> ben, what were you gonna say? <laughs> I I, it's almost like we first have to define what even word what the game is here because uh, the most extreme version of my argument is, well, let's just go look at the market cap of all of the companies that all these people founded and then we have an answer and we don't have to have a conversation here, which it, you know, it, it's is uh, a which is one, one definition but, of success. but B, like it doesn't take the creativity into account. like I, Chris, what you're sort of arguing is like part of entrepreneurship is, you know, having an initial idea and then seeing that idea through and making something people want in YC's parlance, and then you know figuring out how to both uh, capture value from what the thing that people want, but also create a ton of value in the world. And I think your argument is basically like, mm, not really sure this guy's growing the pie, but he sure has captured a lot of it.
2: Yes, and also he's, and I think this is the last thing I'll say on on, on this is I'm that he you. has changed um, behavior. And that is the hardest thing to do in the world, which is to get people to go along with the way that you see the world and then to go and, and to embrace it. And all along, every step of the way, people have resisted the vision that Zuckerberg presented, and yet they went with it anyways. Like The News Feed was the first example of this, where the whole team, like after there was like literally protests in the streets in Palo Alto against the News Feed, and it started the whole <laughs> conflagration with privacy. Oh no, He's, he, he doubled down, you know, he had his troops of, you know, his 300 troops with like bars and like the rest of them, they had their shields up and their, their spears oh. and they came out and they decimated the, whoever it was, they were fighting. The Egyptians. Well, that comes back know, to whatever. David's argument that, um, or
1: who, who was making the argument that he j- is the just the best at looking at the data and understanding. Me.
2: Yeah. That was Chris, right? Or somebody. Yeah well that's that's how i see he, he basically is like observing because one he's created the system to ingest all the data mm-hmm. to see how young people are operating and then he basically takes that and then makes it easier for, him, for them to keep doing what they're already doing so we saw people looking and snooping on each other's profiles and he basically productized that creepy behavior and yeah. so then everyone's like you know it's like dogs right like what you really want to do is you want to have like some i don't know this is going to get really weird all of a sudden, but you know, like the dogs just like sniff each other's butts. Like humans do the same thing in different ways for like their profiles. And so we just built that system that automatically updated you. So whenever there was a fire hydrant that was peed on, you got a notification. <laughs> that's Facebook. Oh, that's so good. Um, Anyways, we can we do on.
0: one real quick digression yes, before we move please. on? Uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the battles on the streets of Palo Alto made me think of this. Uh, did y'all see the, uh, the social dilemma? Uh, i'm in it yeah oh, that's right you are in it oh wow okay okay it's so like this, a cameo this for like is two the seconds. perfect discussion i want your thoughts on great movie but yep. then the end of it right where there's like the mean streets of palo alto and the kids get riled up and they're like they're get, i'm like I lived in like Palo someone Alto. gets pushed down. You're that like, is on. not going down in Palo Alto. <laughs> I do not believe it for a second.
2: <laughs> I mean, honestly, it undermined the whole movie. You know, it's sort of like it's it's like the Sandy Brook thing. It's like this is this is not. Anyways, I I have a lot of problems with that movie. Um, and um, I think you know it's one of those things where it's important to raise the alarm to some degree, but the lack of personal accountability, uh, you know, that the movie sort of takes away, and then at the end it's like turn off notifications. It's like. Like, okay. Not realistic. So, or you're going to go to prison in Palo Alto. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: All right. Let's move on. Get a free 2 week trial at onepassword.com/ride that's 2 free weeks at the number one the word password all one word.com/ride onepassword.com/ride selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you ka ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. Yes, being the producer and moving on here. um, The next matchup was Katrina Lake versus Elon Musk. And this is one of those, again, which maybe was an unfair matchup, except I will say there were way worse um, losses um, in terms of the percentage. Um, Elon Musk won this matchup 78.1% to Katrina Lakes 21.9%. Um, ben, I think you might've been, when we were soliciting for like who the 16 should be, it might've been your idea to in- include Katrina. And I can make some arguments for uh, why i wanted to include her as a representative of a bunch of things but um make your argument for katrina as a a great entrepreneur
3: yeah i think i mean she's just built an unbelievable business in stitch fix i think uh there's a few like if you look at her personally i think she has this unbelievable combination of left brain right brain where she is so like, clear on how all the financial statements, like like she's financially savvy in a way that I feel a lot of founders sort of glaze over it. Like uh, most of the time when a seed stage founder is pitching for venture capital, they they're not speaking ever in terms of cost of capital. If you're like actually it might be cheaper to raise debt than equity if you make a few assumptions. Like most entrepreneurs are going to be like, "Huh? What do you mean? Do I get the money or not?" I get the sense that Katrina has like always been an extremely financially savvy operator in addition to like having that je ne sais quoi that a founder has of to use it again making something people want. So like f- first of all I I just have
1: Stitch Fix, if we didn't, I just wanted to make sure that we said. Oh, good point. Stitch Fix.
3: Yes. Sorry, go on. So that's like about her personally. Now, Stitch Fix uh, as the business, I think has just blown away everyone's expectations of what it could become. I mean, I think there were a lot of uh, uh, clothing upstarts in the last 10, 15 years that had subscription boxes or had, uh, you know, uh, the Trunk Club was one that sold to Nordstrom. And this one, like it just had so much more life and running room because of the way it integrated technology and like physical things in the real world that people need on the day to day basis. So I think there's a, a big component of the business was hiring a lot of the people uh, that built the Netflix recommendation algorithm to to sort of be the the data science arm of Stitch Fix. Um, and I've just been continually surprised, you know, year over year that this business continues to grow, continues to grow quickly, um, and. And hasn't been a flash in the pan. Anyone else, David?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, to Ben's point, uh, you know, also, you know, there's uh, a <laughs> there's so many definitions of entrepreneur, right? But um, one other thing that Ben referenced, but that Katrina did, we we I think we talked about this a lot on our episode about them. That most founders don't, certainly didn't in her era. She was. So incredibly capital efficient. Like she, I, I mean, I remember uh, I interned at Meritech, uh, which is a great uh, growth firm um, in Palo Alto when uh, my summer uh, in business school. And uh, we were like, you know, oh, Stitch Fix, like what a great company. Like we got to get uh, they of raising around and like, nope, not raising around. Don't need the money they're cash flow positive not gonna sell equity uh, and like that was so you know contrarian uh, at the time uh, and uh, you know she didn't need it she protected her cap table and like uh you know it's done amazingly well
1: my argument for including her and I know this is not an easy fit is because it's not a, a d to c company it's not a direct to consumer company um sure it is well not in the perfect sense of like um you know uh warby parker or something uh, it, it, it sort of rides that line between like we've been saying like the subscription it it i want it's, it's a retailer it's right but the modern retailer where it is you have that very close connection with your consumer you have the subscription aspect to it you have so i thought that she was a perfect inclusion because she sort of melds all of those parts of like what modern commerce is
2: and modern brands are i mean it also uh, feels like you know she was so good at understanding like the consumer, understanding the problem space, understanding technology, and in this case, like a good entrepreneur, being able to go all the way, you know, from soup to nuts, as they say, sort of from like the, the highest level of the business and how to operate it down to the individual experience of getting the box and opening it and you know, dressing yourself and then the whole process of data enrichment. I mean, this is you know, when Fitch was really coming up, it was pre-machine learning and a lot of the techniques you know that Amazon and other, others have embraced to get better over time about how to create fashion that people you know want and that fits their style like that is something that I think she productized and brought kind of a um, uh, what's it called how they make cars. they make cars on an assembly line, it's sort of like an assembly line mm, of yeah. fashion. And so bringing all those things together in a new conception of how commerce can happen, I think, is, is really like the, the core insight. Um, and so I don't know. I, I liked what you guys said. And I think you know, she definitely is one of those underappreciated female founders that deserves a whole lot more uh, credit and credibility.
3: Yep, because I'm the one who suggested it, I'll close the book and move us along here. Ultimately, like she's she's up against Elon Musk here. Elon Musk is the clear sort of winner, in in particular because Stitch Fix as a business is just not in the same category at all as any of these other businesses in terms of the scale and impact of it. uh, Particularly, both the combination of SpaceX and Tesla.
1: Yes, but as in World Cups, sometimes Australia goes against a Brazil (laughs) and as much as you might love Australia because they're great players and they play great football, I guess it's just sometimes you're playing Brazil a little bit, (laughs) but um, the next one uh, is the closest voting that we had.
0: This is so close.
1: It is literally, I believe, one vote. Decided this, and the matchup was Patrick Collison versus Oprah Winfrey, and uh, Patrick won by fifty point four percent of the voting versus Oprah's forty nine point six percent of Woo! the voting. Ooh. I don't know. I so close. This is another this one, one went those,
0: into triple overtime.
1: Well, but also as a pundit, I feel like you know, I feel like Oprah really should have won this one. Um, She's robbed. I'm not necessarily robbed, but, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, she's doing pretty well for someone who's been robbed. Uh, uh fair,
0: fair. <laughs> well, right. Literally so lives in the promised land.
1: We're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about Oprah right here. Um, I'm going to toss to David. Um, I, I, I know why Oprah should have gone farther in this tournament. Um, but if you've got,
0: uh, team me up on Oprah. Oh Well, uh, this was one of the most fun acquired episodes that we did. Uh, When did we do this, Ben? Last summer, I think? A year ago. Yeah, a year ago. Oh, man. Her story is just like, it is unreal. I mean, talk about like an entrepreneurial story. I mean, she came from like literally everything in the world stacked against her. I mean, She's born in America, right? Like that's that that's one card in her favor. But that was like the only card in her favor. I mean, uh, broken family, sexual abuse, uh, got got pregnant at 15, 16, I think. Very, very young. Uh, just unreal odds growing up in the South as a Black woman at that time and became Oprah.
3: <laughs> and, like, and, and the two like chapters after that are when you say she became oprah it's worth noting the the entertainer that she became like I, I actually pulled the stat from our transcript uh at peak and this is before youtube this is before dvrs so these are actual concurrent people tuning into her show 44 million people would concurrently tune in to watch oprah like uh, who captures that kind of live attention uh, like on an every afternoon basis like it, uh, just an unbelievable amount of aggregation of attention but the <laughs>
1: <laughs> she needs to, she needs yeah to but like Fortnite. i think
3: any of these like streamer numbers like nothing compares no no way i mean truly no. A- unless you're at like international sort of like china scale like i think like the league of legends you know international like worlds i think might, but, might but, but, compare. I mean, to your
2: point the way in which people would watch television you know, in that era, I feel like was a lot more engaged. You know, it was a lot more like lean forward, like solely focused on that attention because there weren't all these notifications. There wasn't chat. There wasn't all these other ways to be involved. Well, but actually,
1: that's actually why I think she's important to be in here because, you know, people might say, why in a theoretical, are we talking about tech entrepreneurs? Is she a tech entrepreneur? She has been an entrepreneur in media as it has evolved from the three or yes. four channels
2: to... I mean, if modern. Evan Spiegel's in here, then she should be in here. Right? Absolutely. I mean, well, inventing mediums and content to fill those mediums.
1: Well, but not only transitioning from a different kind of media to a modern kind of media, but also the the person as a brand, the influencer would not exist without Oprah, right? 100%. There would be no goop without Oprah, that was, right? That was
0: the theme of our episode. Like she was the original influencer.
1: And so the the concept, because listen, celebrities had been endorsing products and things like that before, but it wasn't that you were a curator of a lifestyle and a certain... Like, it's not just that, um, you know, a, a, a certain person has paid a certain amount of money and, and and you know, whatever. But it was, Oprah's like, no, these are products that I believe in for my lifestyle that make my life better. And my philosophy of life is something that you will buy into as a consumer, as a business entity, and things like that. That's, it doesn't, she creates that mold 1,000%.
3: And the incredible thing about Oprah you know like it's one thing to have a lot of views you know views don't don't put food on the table but the way that oprah was able to like constantly be reassessing her surroundings and aware of her power and influence in the world and create businesses leveraging that i mean she wasn't a for hire entertainer by the end you know she wasn't employed yeah. by people who wanted her on tv she owned her production company. she was the she started first Harpo the, really
0: Media. the first person to say, I'm not going to just be talent. Like she was that, you know, like the Jay-Z line, like, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Like she was the first, (laughs) (laughs) I'm a businesswoman. She was the first, uh, media personality to say that, like nobody else had done that before of like, no, I'm not going to work for you. Like I'm going to own this and I'm going to produce it
3: myself. And then I'll auction it off to the highest bidder.
1: Where there have been bigger stars over the course of the last let's say 100 years but they always worked for other people you know there's that chris rock joke of you think that um uh, uh, an athlete is rich no the person that's rich is the person that signs their check like so that's the point is that this concept of talent can be the business it really kind of
2: begins with her 100 yeah. well, percent. i mean to, to, to literalize what you're saying i mean it's really self-ownership you know in a way that is like transformational um and to to have the i guess like the the vision or the wisdom just to like realize the system that you're in and then to sort of like buy yourself out of it uh so that you can like direct your own fate and then grow this massive business because you look at what everyone else is doing it's like i can do that so giving yourself permission i think to to go in that path um is the path of the entrepreneur
3: By the way, she's worth like two and a half to $3 billion. So like, lest anyone think that Oprah is just like famous for being famous. Like,
2: no. She's 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 also rich.
3: (laughs) Her personal wealth is like the market cap of Stitch Fix. (laughs) 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 She could
2: buy Uh, a Stitch Fix.
3: Uh, I want
1: to pin Oprah by saying that she is the godmother of the creator economy then to, to... make it modern um and i'm realizing now that unfortunately all three of the women in our list are all in a row here which if you looked at how i did the brackets wasn't true they were on opposite sides but now we're having to do them all in a row um and they're all losing all in a row although oprah came so close i don't know um so the next matchup is whitney wolf heard uh, versus Bill Gates, which is, again, another one of those probably this is an impossible matchup. But I will say, again, there were worse beats than Bill Gates won 80.1% to Whitney's 19.9%. I I wanted her to be in this as the sort of the post iPhone um, uh, app business model, but then there's so many other aspects as well to Bumble. Um, so um, who wants to take on Whitney here?
3: I'm just looking up some stats here. Yeah, Bumble is worth she... more than half of Lyft at this point like I, 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 I like I was always sort of assessing like how big can Bumble get really? like it's a ten billion dollar market cap company. It's well, one I th- of the potentially other... bigger than dropbox Well the and
0: the, uh, the other thing we got to talk about here is um, it's not just Bumble. <laughs> she was a co-founder of Tinder
2: too, right. Mm. Well, so no, and that was, that was another sort of uh, like, what was it in, in not Enrico, the, 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 the other co-founder of Zucker- of Zuckerberg, of Facebook, oh, Eduardo Saverin, Eduardo. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yes. Who also got the boot. So she also had a similar fate getting, you know, shanked by your co-founder and your, your fellow leaders and by the system and saying, screw you guys, I'm going to go do it my way. And I'm going to build a better product that is more inclusive. Of uh, you know a whole set of people that are so interested in what I have to offer. So a sign
1: of an amazing entrepreneur, which is, screw you guys, I'm going to bury you.
0: You know, yep. Like yep.
2: I mean, I, and also, like, I, I don't. Uh, I think this is true. I may be speaking out of turn, but um, my recollection is that Match Group essentially owns and is half owned by, you know, if not half owned, maybe more than half owned by the Russian mafia or other interests abroad. (laughs) And that Bumble is the only one that is not. So not only, you know, to say screw you to Silicon Valley and the investor class and all the people who are in Tinder, but then to also turn to Putin and say the same thing, I think, uh, you know, suggests having, uh, you know, severe cojones. And so I think that that's another reason why, like, um, like the fact that they've stayed independent is actually a very unique choice in the dating marketplace.
1: I, uh, there's one more thing. This is a a thesis I've been working on for the last couple of years, which is that the, the next generation of successful companies, it's not just going to be about getting to a market first, planting your flag, getting to scale. It's going to be about taste. And so this idea that so many I mean literally match.com was founded in 1994 I think like so the idea that Bumble was successful because it it had taste it, it understood the the consumer and the market in a different way that was more conducive to how the market tasteful. actually functioned yes more tasteful exactly the idea that that women the way that this should work is you don't just it's
2: match.com was well they were ahead of the curve in terms of the sort of not, spam abuses in the right term but like in terms of the negative behaviors that were happening on social media yeah. and on tinder and the sort of smarminess and the lack of protection for minorities and women you know i feel like bumble got ahead of that like they were aware of it they built in social interactions where you know the the female members were the ones who initiated and so prioritizing the female experience led to their outsized success relative Look, I- to the conventional functioning of dating apps at the time
3: i'm just laughing over here because i want to move us on like four four dudes uh, try to tastefully talk <laughs> yeah. about why bubble was better ha- have uh, having been someone Fair. who used it like the interaction of uh you can't message a, a woman until she messages you first is like just freaking genius. I I, like it made, I mean, the (laughs) first $5 billion of market cap were made on that, you know, but it's also the genius
1: that is not genius. If you're the, you know, the underrepresented founder that understands the side of the market that a male cis founder doesn't understand. Right. You know, um,
2: I, it's genius to believe in it and to pursue it and then to build product around it and then to convince people to come along with you. That's the genius.
1: and learn what the rise of AI tools mean for human practitioners moving forward. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash tech meme. That's arcticwolf.com slash tech meme. Yeah. The, uh, I I do want to move it on because we're going to, we're approaching an hour for our first round here and we've got two more left. Um, I do believe that this is the worst uh, defeat of the whole route (laughs) tournament. And I only put these together for the cute reason of it's, it's Larry Ellison versus Larry page and Sergey Brin. So the battle of the Larrys, (laughs) Uh, the Google guys won 93.3% to Larry Ellison, 6.7%. And I don't know if any of us will have that much to say about Larry Ellison because I feel like most people don't like
0: Larry Ellison either. But <laughs> that's like the... too much of a beat down to me, though. Like, okay,
1: I'll kind of make a, villain, a case though. for Larry
0: for, for I mean, Ellison here.
1: I, okay, make the case because I can do one too. But David, hit it.
0: Uh So, the well, okay, the case for why Larry Ellison at least should have you know, perform better amongst Twitter users versus Larry and Sergey would be Larry and Sergey had one good idea once. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, you know, it was a really, really good idea, but they had one good idea once. And what have they done since? Larry, sort of back to our, you know, Mark versus Jack Uh, Discussion like this dude built a freaking empire, like brick by brick, over decades. Uh, and uh, you know, say what you will about Larry, uh, he is a character, uh, uh, non uh, uh, par excellence. Uh, but uh, but that guy is an entrepreneur through and through. Is that this is a different kind of entrepreneur
1: where you do cobble together your empire. It's not just, you have the one idea, you have the one great company. Oracle has, first of all, Oracle, I wanted him in here. I wanted Oracle to be represented because, you know, it represents the, I think the modern, um, it's definitely a hardware company, but like the modern enterprise company, right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, this is the modern IBM where since the internet era began, people, have turned to oracle to make it happen but oracle didn't have all of the tools at the beginning so it's been a series of acquisitions it's been create cobbling together this empire just like the person that we're going to get to next in the in the next matchup but um so i think that again like the modern definition of a company that grows by acquisition that becomes a conglomerate that 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 serves all of the needs of its customer base Is not
3: just one Oracle,
0: no Amazon. Like Amazon ran on Oracle until recently.
3: (laughs) As as you can hear on the Fine Internet History podcast, when Brian interviewed the first engineer, the first hire at Amazon, like it's a crazy interview hearing about how the like you know the fastest way to market and the most performant database was an Oracle one.
2: Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to admit my, I feel like this is like an aesthetic bias, but I feel like Larry Ellison is just of an era of entrepreneurs, I mm. suppose, or Silicon Valley people that just, he's kind of like John McAfee in my mind, like the mm. two I can't quite <laughs> distinguish. And I just, I think about Oracle and I kind of cringe a little bit and... So I have yeah, that bias have that, that I... They have that
1: that, that that great headquarters that you can't miss when you come from the airport yes. to San Francisco.
0: <laughs> that's the part lit, of my point. The database I mean, headquarters. Uh, <laughs> I, I yeah, always I, assumed I, that the the cylinders of the Oracle headquarters yeah, are made me too, to look right? like Those database. are databases, right?
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are they not the real databases?
3: yeah <laughs> Or the other way around. I mean, maybe ah, <laughs> that's maybe, why we have maybe th- that is the... Because mm. like, that's kind of a silly abstract concept for a data store, right?
2: that's hard drives yeah is it
3: stacked discs yeah right
2: exactly back back when they used to use like yeah instead of before um solid state drives
3: sorry larry twitter doesn't like you but you built a 250 billion dollar business you know one of the reasons (laughs) is
1: probably to tie this back into the whole uh your your um andreessen horowitz thing the whole netscape thing is one of the reasons that um jim clark wanted to uh become a billionaire is because he was jealous of of larry ellison's yachts and things (laughs) like that so larry ellison has (laughs) been making a being a billionaire his business for (laughs) quite a while he set the culture for exactly i feel
2: like this is like zuck zuck and and bill gates are not in the model you're right because ellison
1: chris you said that he's of a different generation and i think you're right in a way like he is sort of he's
2: closer i feel like he's more like a bond villain you know, and that yes. just doesn't resonate for our generation. He's yeah.
3: like '80s Wall Street meets tech. Yes, yes. Like Coke and blow. <laughs> like that's their whole
2: jam, and you know, yachts and buying ostentatious. Uh, I will thing. say, stench, uh, Jenny and I word, were
0: but, in yeah. Lanai uh, this summer. Oh, uh, we did a, little, did a little baby moon in uh, in uh, Lanai on on Larry Ellison's you know island oh. that he owns, and it was <laughs> very nice. It was very nice. It, uh, I uh, a great. Islands.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Larry give you a call and say, "Hey, we got a spot for you. You should come in." Right. We saw him. Uh, <laughs> really? No. Uh, there are two <laughs> hotels on the
0: island, uh, and uh, you you can book either, even normal people like us. Uh, but yeah, we saw him at one of the hotels. Like, yeah, it was amazing. And dude drives a Corvette. You know, which is like a really you know nice. But uh, I I would have I would not have expected
2: okay. that
1: wait no i oh, would have perfect that's a fucking cliche yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I there you go see it's the whole 80s super villain thing <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm not letting this one go dude I I watched thought Mechini, Diablo, and... but yeah oh, okay oh.
1: Yeah. um all right so for t- to round off our round of 16 and uh to round off this uh first episode um another beatdown that uh i feel like is kind of similar but also speaking of what- hawaii <laughs> it's one of those things <laughs> where, like, you, you, you can't. You, what are you going to do? Uh, Mark Benioff win it win against Steve Jobs, um, and Steve Jobs won ninety point three percent to nine point seven percent. But I can make for sure a case for Mark Benioff for the sas era. For yeah. like, come on, guys! Like,
0: but I feel like even yep. Mark Benioff was voting for Steve Jobs. That's true, <laughs>
3: true, it's <laughs> yeah. true. But uh, all right, this, here, here here's yeah, an ahead. interesting. So I don't know the um, uh, just to like throw out an interesting point of view. Like, every generation of tech is so much bigger than the previous generation because technology and the internet reaches so many more people than it ever did before, and it's compounding, and you have population growth, and all this stuff. I wonder if Steve Jobs, in all the value creation he did at Apple until his his uh unfortunate early death, is actually less than the total amount of value that Mark mm. Benioff has created at Salesforce, just mm. because of like how much of Apple's market cap today has come from the Tim Cook era. And like this is a silly mm. straw, man, because at the end of the day, like Apple is Apple because of Steve Jobs, so it all is really attributable to him. But it is this interesting thing to observe that like m- most of the growth, like most of the value in the entire tech ecosystem, uh, has been added in the last ten years,
1: and there are companies that are sort of doing the playbook that Mark Benioff sort of. Um, I don't. Can can we say that he?
2: discovered it or what it was maybe just the most the the, the first person I mean, he to really- marketed SAS right he right. kind of like i don't want to say put it on the map but in the sense Literally, that he established- the, logo, the
0: original logo was yeah. software with a red you know with, x yeah. through it like
2: <laughs> right right so he was like you know the, that and I, I think ben like you make a really interesting point like the the nexus of those two phenomenon, mobile computing devices and cloud software had to sort of happen together. So there had to be a legitimization of both because what the iPhone did was it took a communications device an internet communicator and a music player all together <laughs> these are all one device You get
3: it? <laughs> are you getting it
1: are you getting it
2: <laughs> i'll right do
1: then, that in our
2: sleep oh. <laughs> oh, we'll that. talk
3: about steve jobs at some point but like just the greatest presentation any human has ever made that yes. 2007 keynote
2: well, that and, and then you know we, we could go back to uh, of course the mother of all demos but that was sort of yes. you know setting the stage for all the rest of it but nonetheless i do think that uh those two things together the cloud era and the mobile computing era and both eating the enterprise world of the folks we just talked about is what led to so much you know growth and development um we'll probably save our conversation or, or or comments about steve jobs until later but you know i think that mark benioff is a strange like he is a i don't know i'm thinking about like the batman universe like he's sort of you know a, a he's, he's i don't wanna, like he's not like two-faced in the sense that he's like he's not evil, but you know, he has like that strain of kind of persistence, but then comes from like, you know, maybe a good or warm heart kind of thing. And so he's kind of in this ambivalence, uh, like I have an ambivalent sentiment, I think generally towards him. I've been in Salesforce tower and I'm like, this is a big, large phallic thing in the middle of San Francisco, (laughs) but yes, the guy that built it is supposed to be like a nice guy and gives to charity. So I don't really, (laughs) not quite sure what the vibe is here. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm just kind of left with between those two, you know, the texture and the grit and the dirt of like Steve jobs, like feels like you can just d- d- dive in there. Like, you know, I'd rather probably, you know, have a cocktail with like, I don't know, Steve jobs does cocktails, maybe a joint, you know, with Steve jobs rather than Benny LSD. Yeah.
3: I think Mark would be pretty fun to party with. Uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> like both. He's he's, both he's the enterprise sales
2: guys, enterprise sales guy. As long as he's not selling me the whole time on SaaS. It could be fun.
1: <laughs> well, listen, I'm, I'm going to bring this episode to a close because we're almost exactly an hour. When will we talk about Steve Jobs? What will we say about Steve Jobs? You're going to have to tune in to episode two to find out. Uh, thank you to all of the people on the panel here. David, Ben, Chris. Um, tune in next week for episode two to find out who makes it through the uh, are we allowed to say uh, elite eight? No, probably not. <laughs> the
3: round, lower Casey. The the
1: quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals, and find out who won the hashtag World Cup of Entrepreneurs. Talk to you next time.